0: In January 1881, Lima, Peru was occupied by Chilean forces. This was the culminating moment of El Guero Pacifico, the War of the Pacific, in which Chile defeated both Peru and Bolivia. As a result of the war, Chile took valuable land from each country, nitrate-rich areas from Peru, and Bolivia's only access to the sea. The rivalry persisted to this day, with their matches against each other called the Pacific Classic, in the Common Bowl qualifying, Chile got the best of Peru, not once, but twice, winning each of their matches by a goal. But it was Peru who got the last laugh. As their tie in the final Bowl qualifying, standings was brokered, not by military might, but by goal differential, where Peru had barely bested them. So for the first time since 1982, Peru is in the World Cup Finals. But now that they are in, what will they do? Their rival Chile has not only qualified for the last two World Cups, but made it out of the group stage in both. Can Peru match them? Can Peru best them? This week, on Joe Picks a World Cup Team, Peru.
1: Joe picks a World Cup team, the state's no football but not football it seems, so now he needs a surrogate, Dan will help him look for it. they'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break, Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport.
0: So grab your bottle and pour. Let's hope he doesn't start a war. Joe! Wow! Dan! Yeah. How was that? How was that intro reading for you,
1: Joe? I like this new system where you do the intros and I don't have to do any of it.
0: Well, I mean you had to write it and send it to me and then deal with my complaints about your terrible uh typos.
1: Yeah. Well, as you were reading it, there are like parts of it that are confusing because I I fixed them on the fly in my reading of it. But <laughs> you know what? It's fine. I think people got the gist of it, Joe. And 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 a very exciting intro I would say, as I was researching this, holy crap, you know, I like to think of the world as a very, I don't know, peaceful place. But yeah. There are a lot of wars that go on in South America between all these neighboring countries. You know, this obviously happened in the late 19th century, but there are, Peru has been involved in a bunch of wars in the 20th century. And, you know, obviously I'm aware we've been involved in like World War, War World War 1 and World War 2 and whatever, but it's not like we're not fighting our neighbors. Like we haven't fought Mexico for a very long time, and you know, I don't think we've ever fought Canada. It
0: is interesting that like you know the U.S. is a very war mongering country. I think, like relative to others, like we're the only country that's dropped the atomic bomb. But we've, we we're relatively peaceful with our neighbors.
1: Yeah, I mean certainly now. I I, I mean we definitely had yeah, the war yeah, with yeah. Mexico and and
0: obviously like the natives that were here. We did not treat them so great. Yes, yes.
1: But now certainly in the twentieth century, we've we've been fairly you know peaceful with our, our neighbors. You know up until the uh, Donald Trump presidency, certainly.
0: I mean, is it just me or is, like, half the world's war fought over nitrates.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's phosphates in Africa, nitrates in South America. I mean, it's- Which is cra- weird,
0: because, you know, like, whenever you, like, buy, like, beef, it always says nitrate-free. So it's like, are nitrates good or bad?
1: Well, I'll tell you, you want them if or not? you are a plant, you want the the two main components of fertilizer, and in fact, they have the, like- they have the numbers on fertilizer. The two big numbers are nitrate and phosphate. That's what the the important thing in, in growing most crops is. Um, but I think, uh, I guess for animals, nitrate's bad for some reason. I, I don't know why.
0: Maybe it just sounds bad. Like maybe it's one of those things that like is fine for you, but it's a good, good marketing to be like, yeah, it's nitrate free.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's honestly very interesting. I don't know what, how nitrate, I mean, it's just like a fertilizer. So I don't know like why it's in animals or like, or why it's in, foods but anyways joe (laughs) on to peru (laughs) um wow joe so exciting we we posted in the facebook group but we'll just do a little bit of uh cleanup from our last episode we of course asked the question on our Joe picks subreddit by the way joe did you like the redesign i did dan is beautiful so when you had done the redesign, Joe, I noticed that the links for adding a new post, like, broke. So, <laughs> like, you had to clearly just copy and paste it. I-, I mean, Joe, I don't think you're a CSS expert. I don't want to put you on the spot here.
0: I don't even know what CSS is. Yeah,
1: Well, you had put in some sort of style sheet that looked cool, but it seemed to make the whole subreddit break. So I completely reverted the subreddit back to the original one, but then I thought you would be annoyed at me that I did that. So I thought I had to put in some sort of Joe-related uh, situation. So no,
0: no, I love it. I mean, in fact, it was basically exactly my plan that I knew that had I been like, hey, Dan, will you make our subreddit look cool? You've been like, I'm not wasting my time on that shit. But I knew that if I just did a terrible job at it, that you would come in and clean up the mess.
1: Well, that's exactly what happened. That's like one of, <laughs> exactly. that's like one of the laws of the internet. It's a classic Joe move. It's one of the laws where it's like uh, if if you want to know the right answer to something, just post the wrong answer and you'll get the (laughs) you'll get the right answer faster. I mean, that's what you taught me in the early days of, of, of one of my earlier failed relationships. You said the key is if you want to get out of doing something like doing the dishes or whatever, just do a really bad job of it. But pretend like you're trying really hard.
0: Yeah. You make it more of a pain in the ass to ask you to do something.
1: It's like you make Absolutely. it more effort to fix the mess you made than <laughs> yes. to do it, but you act like you're like, doing it earnestly.
0: It's true. Next time we start a subreddit, if I'm like, hey, Dan, I'm going to try and design this thing, you'll be like, no, Joe, don't, don't even bother. I'll do it.
1: No, I mean, they, they actually have a nice system where you can just revert it. So you know what, Joe? Go nuts. <laughs> I mean, look, this wouldn't have been possible without Julia's logo. When I saw... The pointiness of your hair i just thought wow
0: oh my god i love it i love i love my hair being the up vote and down vote it's, it's beautiful
1: yeah anyways we asked the question what is the most famous man U player of the modern era ronaldo or rooney you were on team ronaldo and look i love ronaldo and to your point in the earlier episode there was literally a 538 piece that was like Ronaldo is defying time, and I was like, "God damn it, Ronaldo is not old." Yeah, exactly,
0: grizzled grizzled veteran Ronaldo. No, it
1: was it was bas- it was like Ronaldo versus Father Time, and it's like Ronaldo's winning. No, Ronaldo's not. He's fine. He's thirty three. He's young. He's in the prime of his goddamn life. But anyways, was it my good buddy Ronaldo, or and and? Before I even get into the question, I just would like to know. I was, I was musing the other day about how I find people that are much older than me to be, like, super out of touch. Like, obviously, my dad is very out of touch, the noted Trump supporter. But, like, I think most older people, like, your life is, like, completely different. You're out of touch. And I think people younger than me are, like, way out of touch. I think the only people who are in touch are me and Ronaldo, who are people born on the exact day I was born.
0: Wait, it's just so anyone younger than you or older than you is out of touch, but you are keyed in.
1: I think my age is the exact right age for like every like I think if generations could be boiled down to a single day, I think my day generation is the best that exists in the world. Like just on if you look at like thousands of different factors, I think we nail it.
0: But will that always be true or it's just true right at this specific moment?
1: I don't think it will always be. Oh, no, no, no. At some point, we'll be too old. And some younger day of people that were born will surpass us. No doubt about it. But, like, right now, I think me, Cristiano Ronaldo, and all the other people that were born on that day, I think we're winning.
0: No, I mean – I think you may be totally right. I've always felt like my my age, people born on my day are like always a little bit out of touch.
1: Yeah, cuz you're a little I'll tell you t- you're what. a little
0: too old, Joe. Well, but even before I was too old, I was a little too young. Ah. Uh. <laughs> so so here's the problem. See, no, 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 I'm and I'm being serious about this because when I was born, First of all, I'm born late in a year. So I'm like, ah. I'm kind of I'm born in 81, but I'm actually really more of like an 82 person. Can we announce but I'm not your really.
1: birthday live on the podcast now for all the... That's, absolutely. In uh, case okay, so anybody thing, wants to send you a gift. What? It's December uh, uh, 12th? 14th. 14th.
0: Oh, that was close. But the other thing is that we are what's called cuspers because we're technically part of the millennial generation. But we're like right on the cusp of Gen X.
1: Ah. So
0: it's like we're really, you know, you really, when you're a cusper, you belong in neither camp, really.
1: Yeah, you, you're right. If you said, say you're a millennial, it really, I mean, for me personally, to, for people and say I'm a millennial, I'm like, oof, it seems a little stretched. But I, I'm like, okay, I'm a millennial, but like, I'm on the right. older end of it. If you call yourself a millennial, that's crazy. But also you don't want to be part of Gen X.
0: Well, supposedly millennial is supposed to be eighty to ninety-four. I was just talking about this the other day. Uh, so I looked it up. That's why I don't know that off the top of my head usually. But <laughs> it was it's eighty to ninety-four. And so I mean, look, I mean, by that definition, I'm right in there. But it does it does feel like like on the cusp of the generation. It doesn't feel like like I'm as solidly in the millennial camp as others. But I don't I definitely don't feel like a Gen Xer.
1: Yeah, you're definitely not a Gen Xer, but yeah, yeah no, you're just, you're a Cusper.
0: But that's a, but that's the point. We're just so we're never quite like like to your point about being like like totally in touch. We're never quite like right with the the zeitgeist. We're just always a little too young or a little too old.
1: And I think that's a serious problem. Like again, when we're picking out the best day, like right now, today. Not I'm not again. Ten years from now, we're going to be surpassed by some other day. You know, maybe whatever day Taylor Swift was born or whatever. But I'm just saying, right now, I think February 5th, 1985, is the day because we're not cuspers, and I think we're we're solidly in this millennial generation. Again, we have,
0: but you're not, but you're also not a young millennial. Exactly, you don't
1: want to be a young millennial. Young millennials are lazy. You know, they they don't know what they're doing. They haven't yet gained the necessary experience. I mean, like, what is the best age to be?
0: The best. Wait, are you talking about the best age to be, or
1: I'm just saying like oh, we're talking about the best. So if if you're talking about you know the the again we're talking about what is the best day. If we're classifying, we're we're ranking every day in existence. We're saying who's like at the top, and and again it can be whatever system you want to grade it on. But if you're too old, you're clearly just out of touch in so many ways. Not to mention you're like. You know, you're you're not at your physical prime. But if you're too young, you obviously have no wisdom. You don't have very much experience, and you know you probably you, you, you're lacking so many other things.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, I think that that you know definitely. I mean, once you get past thirty five, you're
1: too old. Obviously, <laughs> is that is that so? I got that two years left
0: for being. I'm saying for being like totally in touch. Look, I'm I'm. Saying that is just a fact. Okay. Once you're... If you're younger than 25, you're too young to be in touch with, like, the total, like, zeitgeist of the world. So, yeah, it is somewhere between 25 and 35. Because
1: I think if you're under 25, you're in touch with a zeitgeist, but it's just not like Visa. It's like...
0: It's the young people's zeitgeist. Yeah, it's
1: just... It's so disconnected, like, we don't even know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. I gather there's a lot of YouTube celebrities involved, but I'm not interested. Yeah. So, So, it is... Like, I think that, that I was, like, in my prime somewhere between the ages of, like, 30 and 32. Hmm. Of, like, being in touch.
1: Yeah. I feel like I'm in my prime right now. I feel like this like podcast... This, it, this current moment. I feel like if it weren't... I mean, that's why I think February 5th, 1985 is the best day. Because, A, I mean, obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo is doing, like, 98% of the work on that day, but, yep, but look,
0: yep. A... Yeah, you're holding your own, absolutely.
1: I mean, again, I think I'm adding a lot to it, but again, Cristiano Ronaldo is like one of the most famous people in the world. He's doing a lot. Like, imagine all the other famous people in the world. They have to be within your age bracket. So again, 30 to 32, we're pushing it a little bit at 33, but like, when's Messi's birthday? Like, who's also born on the same day as Messi?
0: Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. I'm a, even I'm a
1: tech celebrity, Joe.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're you know you're holding your own. I mean, look, it's hard to compare because Ronaldo is probably, I mean, he's probably the most famous person in the world. Yeah, maybe so you, Barack Obama. T- top five. Maybe like yeah, maybe Taylor Swift. But it's probably Messi. Oh yeah, ma- or Ronaldo.
1: It's probably Messi or Ronaldo, or both. I mean, who are the people in the world who know who Messi is but don't know who Ronaldo is? That'd be weird. That'd be weird. <laughs> Anyways.
0: All right, Dan. What, yeah, what country are we talking about again? As
1: I was saying, who's the most famous Man U player of the modern era? Cristiano Ronaldo or Wayne Rooney? It's unanimous. Three out of three. Wayne Rooney. And we've got a without a doubt in there, too, Joe. You're just dead wrong. Uh, Cristiano yeah, Ronaldo. Yeah, I may be
0: out of touch. I may be out of touch on that one. You're okay. out of touch. Right, fair enough. You're fair out, enough. out of touch. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. No, 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 that's fine.
1: Look, Joe, I think this is one of the important things to do. And this is what I notice about my dad in particular. My dad is out of touch, but he thinks he is in touch.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. When you're out of touch, you just have to accept it. When the people who are in touch correct you, you have to be like, all right, I'll take it.
1: He should listen to our constructive feedback about Donald Trump, but he won't hear it. He <laughs> thinks he's the one who knows what, what's going on. Uh, you know what, Joe? I guess you're already over the hill. I mean, I think... I probably have, I guess, probably two years left or something, unless there's some other date. You know, I guess Messi is 30, so whatever date he was born is probably, like, another top contender.
0: I will say, I mean, you know, it might be possible that, like, being in touch is a sliding scale for each person that is dependent on other life circumstances. Like, I feel like things really change for me when you have kids. Like, you sort of, like, you end up spending so much mental energy... On other things that your mental energy that can be spent on staying in touch is just gone.
1: Joe, your entire day is just like you just have like 15 requirements that are based on other people's lives that are completely dependent on you. Like you don't have time to and and you have these firm deadlines of time. Like you can't.
0: Oh, and I mean, Dan. It's not even other people's lives who who you can't... It's like people who are actively working against you. I know. <laughs> right? It's like, you're like, hey, I'm trying to get your jacket on. And they're like, fuck you. I'm not putting that jacket on. I'm going to throw it in the fireplace.
1: Yes, I did see that last week. They are really, really <laughs> horrible. Except for they did... They were so interested in being the flower girls at my wedding that that was very good. Anytime they were misbehaving, I was like, well... If you misbehave like this, you're just not going to be the flower girls.
0: Yeah. The problem is you can only use that so many times.
1: I know. Wow, I can only use it up until the wedding.
0: <laughs> also, after a while, they're just going to be like, fuck it. We don't want to do it anymore.
1: All right, Joe, just to close out this conversation, I've already l- learned another blow-away fact, which is just already blowing my mind. But Lionel Messi's birthday is June 24th, 1987. So if any of our... Listeners out there have the June 24th, 1987. I think you have a very good case. But, Joe, get this. Have you ever heard of the player called Neymar? Yeah, absolutely. His birthday is also February 5th. He also That's... has the same birthday as me, Neymar and Ronaldo. That is crazy. Come on. How do you like them apples? I just want to say this about no, now knowing that he shared the same birthday as Ronaldo and Neymar. Me likey. Dan, well done. (laughs) Thank you. Dan, what are we drinking? So we ready to get into this, Joe? Absolutely. You know, before we recorded this podcast, we're talking about how we really have to speed through this, but
0: We're being surgical, man.
1: (laughs) In and out. We're drinking a pisco sour, Joe. A Pisco Sour is a cocktail of choice and was invented in the capital, Lima, Peru. Pisco is a brandy made in Peru. The Pisco Sour has egg whites, which always makes Sean nervous, especially after we had that drink in season one that had egg whites. Joe, did you put an egg white in your drink?
0: I'm, not, I'm just drinking straight Pisco.
1: Well, Joe, I was very excited to have egg white in my drink, but... My lovely fiance Megan used the last eggs over the weekend, Ugh. and, as you know, I had no time before this podcast, so I did not have a chance to get so. I'm disappointed that I could not have egg whites. I'm very happy to do it, and in making the pisco sour, and now knowing I have had a pisco sour, it is interesting to have the drink without the like foam because it once when you like taste the drink, like you expect there to be that foam. Just based on um, like yeah. taste memory. But it's a very, it's a very good drink anyways. It, it's pisco, lime juice, simple syrup, and uh, a few dashes of bitters on top. And it's, it's just a classic drink.
0: Well, I'm enjoying my
1: straight pisco, so there you go, man. Just what I would expect from somebody so out of touch. But anyways, <laughs> Joe, let's get into this country. Let's learn a little more about the basics of this country in a section I like to call Homeland Handbook. The name of the people, a Peruvian, a group of Peruvians who are all Peruvian. The languages, there are three official languages, is Spanish, Quechua, and Aymara. In addition to Ashanica. And a large number of Amazonian languages. The religions, Roman Catholic, 81%. Evangelical, 12.5%. Other, 3%. And no religion, 3%. The capital city is, of course, Lima. Let's get into everybody's favorite part of the show. Joe, what is the chief export of Peru?
0: Okay, so what do we know about Peru? They, the Incans were great agriculture, you know, they had great agriculture. They were early farmers, so there's rich farmland probably. They have those llamas, so it could be that sweet, sweet llama meat.
1: That's actually what Megan guessed when I asked her what the chief expert was. She guessed llamas. It may- llama meat or llamas? She guessed llamas.
0: But see, I think it's like it's like with other countries that we've learned about. I think they're keeping the llamas. The llamas aren't for export. Oh. The llamas are for use on those rocky hillsides. I, I actually think I know this. I think I know this because I think that I have heard people talking about I don't I can't even tell you where, but I think that Peruvian silver is a thing. So I'm going to guess silver.
1: Survey says. <laughs> oh. But I'll tell you, Joe. Once I tell you what the top exports are and read my little ditty about it, you're going to become very upset. You're going to. You're going to be full of furious rage, and you're going to feel like I've cheated you. But, Joe, I have not cheated you.
0: Is it llama meat?
1: You have gotten it wrong. What you said was incorrect. But the top export, the number one export is copper ore. And the number two export, Joe... Wait,
0: copper copper, or what?
1: <laughs> and the number two export is yes... Silver's big brother or big sister, gold, Joe. That beautiful, luscious metal.
0: Oh, but you know, if copper is on the list and gold, you know that they you know that they have silver.
1: Well, Joe, would you like to learn more about Peru's exports, Mister Incorrect?
0: No, I want I want to appeal this much like Harry Kane's goal over the weekend. Okay, I want How to How about
1: appeal you it? appeal it to my segment where I read what I'm going to say. Which is going to make you more furious, but your answer is still incorrect. The mineral industry provides a major source of economic growth in Peru's national development. In 2006, Peru occupied a leading position in the global production of the following mineral commodities. Fourth in arsenic trioxide. Third in bismuth. Third in copper. Fifth in gold. Fourth in lead. Fourth in molybdenum. Fourth in rhenium, And yes, Joe, first in silver. The leading, See? So I the knew leading producer I knew of silver in the world. Now, as we keep going, third.
0: Interestingly, I was actually going to guess bismuth, too. So I should get credit <laughs> third
1: for Third in tin, third in zinc. In Latin America, Peru was the first ranked producer of, in order of value, gold, silver, zinc, lead, tin, and tellurium. And the second ranked producer of copper, molybdenum, and bismuth. So, Joe, you were... Dead right that Peru is, in fact, the largest exporter of silver in the entire world on planet Earth. But unfortunately, by a dollar basis, it's just not as much as their copper or gold. <laughs> That's,
0: honestly, just like I get like a sort of like, I can be off by three for the population. I should be like, if I'm only like three elements away on the periodic table,
1: I should get it. Uh, do you think silver and gold are within three elements of each other, Joe?
0: I... I actually have, have okay. no idea.
2: <laughs>
1: Joe, you may you can have it to the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals is the subreddit. I will ask the subreddit if you should get the correct answer. Although, just because they're the first in exporting, something, I mean, like, for example, every country is probably first in the world at exporting stupid trinkets with their, like, country map on it. That doesn't mean it's one of their top exports.
0: Yeah, but this is like, this is like right up there. It just happens that gold is like slightly more valuable at the current moment.
1: Slightly more valuable. Give me a break, Joe. Okay, try to recover here. There are thirty-two countries in the World Cup. Where does Peru rank in population?
0: I think it's, I think it's pretty middle of the road. I think it's pretty middle of the road. I'm gonna guess eighteen. Yes.
1: That's a triple likey Joe That's dead on the money oh, 18 right. out of 32 Joe That's unbelievable That's the first time you've ever gotten a dead smack on That I don't know if you're taking I mean I know you're not Because I've seen the preparation you put into these podcasts That's right 18 out of the 32 countries Joe Wow Look at you. You are on on point with Peru. They are the 42nd largest country in the world, 32 million people, but 18th in the World Cup. Wow. Joe, just for that, I'm giving you the first one. You were so close on the second yes. one. You have it. You're two out of two. But let's get right into this, Joe. Let's learn about the World Cup history.
0: No, that's it. I'm done. I, I got it. We're moving Peru on. Okay, wow.
1: Well. That's going to make somebody, Joe, very happy. That's right. For Section 1, World Cup History Road to Qualification, the group in Too Good, Too Bad. Normally, I have to do all this research. I have to look it up. I have to figure out all this stuff. But not this week. Thanks to new super fan, fan emeritus, Fernando, who oh, Fernando. sent in all of the information for me. And I'm just going to read it, but I'll tell you. I learned so much about Peru from reading this and learned so much about their history. And in fact, my intro was effectively cribbed from from his notes. But I'm just going to just get into this. Dan, you shouldn't even
0: read it. Just just have your computer read it out loud and let's just sit back and enjoy it.
1: (laughs) Maybe I should send it to you to read it, Joe. You did such a good job with the intro. (laughs) I want to give you some feedback. He says, I'm Peruvian. But he's been living in the USA for almost 16 years. So he knows everything about it. He has been closely following Peru's path to this World Cup, which, as we learned in the intro, has not happened for a very long time. Since na- In fact, when you were one year old, Joe, or not even one year old, Peru was in the World Cup. Wait, when you're born, do you start out as one? You're, you're just, no, you're not one yet. No, yeah. You're yeah, you were zero. zero years old when they were in the World Cup. Peru at the World Cup.
0: You really, you really have a lot to learn about. Babies. I know. <laughs> that, like, so you think that, like, when someone says, "like Oh, this is my baby," it's like one I and think a half. It, and that's isn't a it in old? China
1: when you're born, you're automatically one or something?
0: I don't know. No, no, no. It's it's in China. You're one on your first Chinese New Year. Like, no matter when you're
1: born. All right. <laughs> Peru at the World Cup. And again, thank you to new super fan Fernando, Su- our Peruvian super fan. Peru has competed in four World Cups. Peru was invited to the first World Cup in Uruguay in 1930, where they lost 1-3 against Romania and 0-1 against Uruguay, the hosts, of course. It would take Peru's golden generation to help them return to the World Cup after 40 years for Mexico, 1970. I actually prefer to
0: refer to them as as Peru's silver generation. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Well, if we go by raw dollar value... (laughs) We could call them the copper generation, actually, but, you know, you can call it whatever you want. For Mexico, 1970, where during the qualifying stage, they eliminated Argentina at the mythical Bombaria Stadium. <laughs> I don't know if mythical is the right word. Bom- Bombaria Stadium in Buenos Aires. In the World Cup, Peru was drawn in Group 4 with Bulgaria, Morocco, in Germany, and Germany. They advanced to the quarterfinals by defeating Bulgaria 3 to 2, Morocco 3 to 1, and losing to Germany 1 to 3. In the quarterfinals, Peru was defeated by what many call the best Brazilian team of all time with Pelé, 2 to 4. And by the way, all of these scores are from Peru's point of view, so this is like you know this is <laughs> yeah. this is good.
0: These guys are guys legit Peruvian. Yeah.
1: Look, Superfan Fernando, this he might be the best superfan of all time because what there is information to come in this that is really amazing.
0: Oh, I'm so excited.
1: Peru did not qualify for the 1974 World Cup, but they did qualify for 1978 World Cup in Argentina. In this World Cup, Peru was again drawn in Group 4, this time with Scotland, the Netherlands, and Iran. Peru defeated Scotland in the first game 3-1, to and a little information that I'll add in based on a YouTube link he also sent, Scotland was apparently one of the World Cup favorites that year, so Peru beating them 3-1 to was somewhat of a shock, tied the Netherlands, 0-0, and then defeated Iran 4-1 to to... Go to the next round. Back then, the World Cup had two rounds, a first round and a second round. When you made it out of the first round, you got to the second round, and then the two winners of the two second rounds competed in the finals. And this will be very important when you hear what happened. This, in the second round, Peru was drawn with Brazil, Poland, and Argentina. In the first game of the second round, Peru lost... 0-3 against Brazil. And then in the second game, they lost 0-1 against Poland. I don't think that's the right way to say that. And then, this is where one of the biggest controversies in World Cup history begins.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm I'm on the edge of my seat, Dan. So,
1: Brazil had tied with Argentina in this group and defeated Poland 3-1. So... In order for Argentina to advance to the final, Argentina needed to beat Peru by more by four or more goals. Now, at this time, Peru was actually a fairly good team. Again, they had gone through the first stage of the group. They yes, they weren't outclassed, but by some of the the top teams in the group. But still,
0: right, right, right.
1: So they're going to this game against Argentina in Argentina. And Peru loses to Argentina six to nil. Okay, that's brutal. So, Argentina goes to the World Cup final. Brazil is eliminated. And Argentina goes on to win their first World Cup at home, 1978. Very famous World Cup. But this is where the controversy begins. The game is still talked about until today and is brought up every time Peru plays Argentina. And as a matter of fact, one of the players from the team came forward just a few weeks ago and said that players on the Peruvian team were paid to underperform. And he links to an article. And I read the, I was very interested in this. I watched both sides of this story and I'll tell you here. Here's the official story. The official story is that Peru had lost the first two games and thus they were eliminated from contention. So they were so depressed and out of, you know, they knew they were out of the tournament that they just sort of phoned in against Argentina, lost. It didn't matter that they lost 6-0. They didn't care. They weren't playing for anything. And so Argentina goes to finals. The other story is one which has a lot of intrigue, which is for some reason... It was claimed that none other than the United States Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger, (laughs) I shit you not, appeared in the Peruvian locker room before the game started. For what reason? Who knows? And the idea was this. At the time. Why would Henry Kissinger care? (laughs) So nobody disputes that Henry Kissinger was at the game.
0: Wait, are you at least going to do your Henry Kissinger impression that you've already unveiled on this podcast?
1: Peru, this is very important. (laughs) We are establishing relations with the Argentinians, and we need you to lose this game because it is very important for Argentina on the world stage to win this World Cup and give credibility to their military dictatorship. We need you to throw the game. In exchange for throwing this game, the United States will give you illicit funds, okay? Illicit funds. You take the funds, you go back to Peru, everybody wins. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, actually. (laughs) So that is their side of the story. And then the intrigue goes even further than this. The intrigue is that at the time, Peru also had somewhat of a dictatorship. So Peru... The idea was Peruvian government wanted to send their dissidents get rid of them those left wing dissidents, but where would they put them? Well, how about this? Peru would send their dissidents to Argentina for Argentina to quote unquote deal with them in whatever way Argentina set fit and which
0: which means murder right
1: yes, and okay. what could Peru do in in exchange? Why if Peru threw this game and got Argentina to the World Cup final in Argentina? Boy, that would be a huge win for the Argentinian dictatorship. Joe, the intrigue on... This is, like... of I, Basically, after reading on this, I think, you know, obviously the, like, Qatar World Cup and even Russia World Cup is, like... And all of the, like, money-wandering stuff. But this is, like, high intrigue. What was Henry Kissinger doing in the Peruvian locker room before the game? I mean, it's an incredible story.
0: I mean, first of all... If the U.S. is going to fix games, can we at least give ourselves one World Cup victory? I know. Like, like, can we at least throw one bone to ourselves before we start fixing it for other countries? This is classic U.S. I mean, we're just being generous. Secondly, it's sort of, I mean, from the Peruvian perspective, it's sort of a good deal. You're out anyway. It's a great deal. You get a bunch of money, get rid of those pesky leftist dissidents— and it makes no difference to you. They kind of laid it on thick with the six nothing. They could have stopped it for nothing.
1: They really could have. I watched some of the highlights of the game. It's pretty. It's pretty bad. By the way, the highlights. Watching World Cup highlights from like the 1970s is amazing. Just the way they play is 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 um. It's so different, but but like some of the stuff is, is so much so similar. Like. Like the good strikes are still good strikes, but it's just like clearly the like fitness of the players and everything is <laughs> just so different.
0: And they also all wear those really baggy
1: jerseys, and, yeah. and you're
0: like, why, why, like, how come no one had the idea of wearing a jersey that wasn't like my my five year old's pajamas?
1: Yeah, that's why I'm saying the fitness is bad. Maybe they were fit, but they just look like they're, <laughs> they're so like out of shape, bogged down by so much <laughs> extra <laughs> cotton. Uh, but anyways, and then he, he finishes that. They last competed in 1982, but uh, he says they uh, came in as World Cup favorites, but they didn't do much of anything. They got eliminated with uh, a couple draws and a, a five to one loss to Poland. So not very good. And Why
0: didn't Team US, why didn't we bribe Trinidad and Tobago?
1: I don't. They were out. I'll tell you why we didn't do it. Because our president is an incompetent idiot who fucking can't make this shit happen. Hillary if Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, you know she's going down, she's gonna appear at the game, and they're gonna be like, Hillary Clinton is at this game for some reason, and she's gonna fucking get it done.
0: God damn it. Look, I would take competent corruption at this point.
1: That's the worst part about it. It's incompetent corruption. It's right,
0: like, exactly. it's like
1: corruption for everybody's ego, not corruption for like any good reason.
0: Like any actual gain for US citizens. Ugh. It's the worst.
1: So here we go. Now the, the biggest part of this segment, Peru's road to the 2018 World Cup. So Fernando has literally written a, written a book for this. I'm just going to read it because it's, as he says, it's a thriller. Peru's qualification campaign for this World Cup is that of a Hollywood script or better. The start of our qualification campaign started, like the last four qualifiers, after seven matches, Peru had only won One game, a 1-0 win against Paraguay, and was second to last. Then, Peru improved in the next five games, defeating Ecuador and Paraguay, tying Argentina, but still losing to Chile and Brazil. The loss to Brazil was on November 15, 2016, and 2-0 in Lima. At that point, Peru was in 8th place out of 10, and far behind 5th place Argentina by 8 points. But that's when the miracle turnaround happened. First. Chile, at fourth place at that point, had presented a claim to Ball and FIFA against Bolivia for using an ineligible player, which after review, FIFA granted three points to Chile and a 3-0 victory against Bolivia in what previously had been a 1-1 tie. However, FIFA also granted Peru a 3-0 victory over Bolivia since they also used the same ineligible player uh. in the game against Peru. That meant but Peru... Peru didn't even
0: have to... Peru didn't even have to lodge the challenge and they still benefited from it. That meant
1: Peru was awarded three points for a game they had originally lost 2-0. Whoa. Second, Peru left the old so-called better European players off the squad and instead lined up younger and a more inexperienced team. The result could not have played out better for Brazil with three consecutive wins against Uruguay, Bolivia, and Ecuador. Peru was back in the race for a spot in the World Cup. All they had to do was Defeat Argentina, Buenos Aires, and Colombia and Lima. The build-up before the game against Argentina was something out of a movie. All the press, news, people would talk about was the game and the history behind it. People in Argentina would talk about how it was a stupid idea to change the game from the original stadium to the Bombonera, which was the place where Peru had eliminated Argentina from the only World Cup they missed back in 1970. In Peru, they would talk about how Peru had a chance to eliminate Argentina from the World Cup for a second time in history. In the end, the game ended up nil-nil, and both went to the last game with a chance of going to the World Cup. Due to other results, all Peru needed was a win against Colombia in Lima to at least qualify for the playoff game against New Zealand, but a heavy burden of not qualifying for a World Cup in 36 years got to the players, and they nervously played against a Colombian side that only needed a tie. Eventually, James Rodriguez scored the first goal for Colombia, and the dream was fading. The stadium, full of 50,000 Peruvians, was silent. All of Peru was silent. Meanwhile, Chile was losing 1-0 against Brazil, and Paraguay was tied 0-0 against Venezuela. All these results meant Peru was out of another World Cup. But then, like a miracle, the impossible happened. Okay. I'm going to describe this because I've watched the video he sent, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to use... Fernando's words. I'm going to use my description of it. But it's amazing. So, a free kick is awarded that's about 25 yards away from goal. And, uh-huh. and Joe, of course, you know the difference between a direct and an indirect kick. For certain fouls, you're awarded a direct kick, but for certain other fouls, you only get an indirect kick. And when you get an indirect kick, the referee raises his arm above his head to, to inform it's an indirect kick. So, The foul that's been awarded is an indirect kick. The player lining up for it, who happens to be Peru's captain, Paulo Guerrero, he steps up. He is lining up for the kick like he thinks it's a direct kick. And the amazing part about it is the commentators are like, indirecto, indirecto. Like they're announcing it as if they're trying to yell to him like, it's an indirect (laughs) kick. Don't shoot at the goal. It's an indirect kick. Indirecto, indirecto. But he shoots a goal anyways. And he hits a beautiful strike around the wall. And again, it's an indirect kick. But the goalie dives to the right to block the kick. And Joe, it deflects off the goalie's hand into the goal.
0: So it's a goal.
1: So all the, the... commentators are losing their mind the commentators saying he touched it he touched it goal goal and the the uh colombian players are protesting but the referee is just showing like it flicked off his hand it flicked off his hand it's a goal peru scores the the goal is so amazing because it's an indirect kick. All the goalie has to do is just let it sail into the back of the net, and it's no goal. But he dives to save it, and in doing so, has it hit off his hand into the goal. It's absolutely unbelievable.
0: That's so brutal. And, and, and you know, it's actually, I mean, I feel so bad for the keeper in that situation because, like, all your instinct. The ball's coming, like, I guarantee even if you're like messing around on the pitch just like practicing or whatever and you like shoot it towards a keeper like it's just their instincts are, like not, yeah they're going to bat it away from the goal right that's just like what they do
1: yeah and if you if you watch the kick i mean it whips around the wall so it it is like you know you always players on the wall are like lunging their head at the ball so it is you know right. it it's very clear oh, yeah. from the replay it doesn't deflect but like the goalie doesn't know that
0: Oh, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Plus, from the keeper's standpoint, it's like, well, picture if it had, like, chipped off a player's shoulder or whatever, or, like, head, you know, and then he doesn't do anything and lets it go in. People are like, what an idiot.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just such an amazing thing because it's like, why would a person ever shoot an indirect kick at goal? Because he didn't realize it was an indirect kick, but it, like... I mean, it just is such an unbelievable thing. And I'll put the video in the the Reddit. It's just an unbelievable video to watch just to listen to the, like... The commentators, like, trying to tell the player, what are you doing? This is an indirect kick. And just the jubilation after this miracle thing. Like, if you're kicking an indirect kick at goal, only one good thing can happen, and it's this. (laughs) It's just... It's unbelievable. But anyways... He says that's the first part of the miracle. The second part of the miracle takes place in Brazil and Paraguay. Brazil defeats Chile 3-0, to nil, and Venezuela defeats Paraguay 1-0, which seals the deal. Peru and Colombia, knowing these results, play out the last three to four minutes of the game, not attacking each other, because <laughs> they know that as long as the game ends at a 1-1 draw, that... Colombia qualifies directly, and then Peru goes to the playoff. So they just play out the last three or four minutes. And I think in an earlier episode, we just, we talked about this a little bit. So you have this unbelievable thing where knowing the situations of these other teams, where Chile loses, and this three-goal uh, differential is very important, and Venezuela loses, Peru goes in. They qualify in the fifth spot. They have the same number of points as Chile, but they beat them. Chile has a negative one goal differential. Peru has a plus one goal differential, even though Chile defeated Peru twice.
0: Oh, that's brutal. I mean, that's brutal for Chile, but that's what a story for Peru. And I also love, I mean, I would love to just watch the last like two minutes of the game where they're just basically probably like batting the ball back and forth because what the fuck do they
1: care? Yeah, well, I mean, if you're... If you're going to qualify for the World Cup with the, with the point, you know, why would Colombia do anything different? But Fernando continues. And finally, is if there weren't enough drama for Peru, of course, they now have to go to this intercontinental playoff against New Zealand. The worst thing happened. Our captain and leading scorer was f- suspended for testing positive for a banned substance. Oh, no. Cocaine. <laughs> so. No. I mean, it's Peru. Uh, The game against New Zealand, he said, was also played nervously and ended nil-nil. The second game began as an extension of the first. You could feel the nerves and the tension of the game. Again, this is a team that has not qualified for the World Cup in an entire... I mean, two generations since 1982. It meant everything to Peruvians. The first goal came... It sent Peru into a frenzy. It actually set off an earthquake alert in Peru with all of the people cheering. The second goal came, and that was all she wrote. Peru would return to the World Cup after 36 years. Celebrations ensued, and the president declared a national holiday for the following day. Fun fact... Peru has played against the eventual champion in all of the World Cups it has participated in, in Uruguay 1930, Brazil 1970, Argentina in 1978, and Italy in 1982. So, Joe, wow. We've what, wa- a, what a road. We've learned all about the World Cup history. We've learned about the road to qualification through somebody who you know was watching all of this unfold. Joe, let's talk a little bit about the group. Oh.
0: oh, I know this group.
1: Yeah, that's right, Joe, because this is the fourth. This is our first group that we're closing out.
0: Oh, my God. So, Joe. Is there, is there any like jingle for closing out a group?
1: Only this, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We've already seen this group before with France and Denmark, and Australia, and we close it out with Peru. So, of course, the heavy favorites in this group are France and Denmark, that France has a 70% favorite to win the group. In fact, France has a higher winning percentage of this group than, than any other group in the World Cup. But, you've got Denmark, Peru, and Australia. And yes, Denmark is a heavy favorite, also, but Peru has a real puncher's chance, especially being in this group with Australia. So Peru has, according to the, the odds makers, a 31% chance of advancing to the knockout stage, a little under 10% chance of making the quarterfinals, 3.5% of making the semifinals, 1.3% chance of making the finals, and a half a percent chance of winning this World Cup, putting their overall odds at 200 to 1. It's tough being in the group with France, but they've got, you know, if they can get a draw or an upset win against Denmark, they really have a good shot at it, Joe.
0: Yeah, what's the order of
1: their games? In what may be good or may be bad for them, Joe, they open up against Denmark. So they, they are, their biggest game is probably first. So they open up against Denmark, then they play France, and in this group, a loss to France is fine. I mean, it, it, it it's probably not a huge deal. Goal differential might be a big story there. And then their third and final game is against Australia, so that's probably as best you could hope for.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it it, it really does all rest on that first game. I mean, if they lose that first game, you know, their World Cup is essentially over. Yes, and then you can say, okay, well. France is going to win the World Cup because Peru has this track record of playing every World Cup champion. Um, <laughs> the, the, But if they beat Denmark, it all comes down to that game against Australia. And you're talking about a country that knows how to fix a World Cup game. I'm just saying, you, you send Henry Kissinger down to that Australian locker room, offer to take some of those Australian dissidents, boom, you got your 6-0 win against Australia.
1: Well, now I think we have to send John Bolton <laughs> I don't know if he's send, as good of a deal-maker.
0: Send John Bolton and his mustache down to the Australian locker room? Yeah. No, I mean, if John Bolton is, is hanging out in your locker room, you're fucking creeped out. <laughs>
1: I mean, if Henry is in your locker room, you're creeped out.
0: I just picture him handing towels to guys as he, as he tries to work these deals. Uh, look.
1: This is uh, – please <laughs> remove the towel. What are you doing over there? Please, let's talk about game strategy. Your 4-4-3 defense is (laughs) ineffective against their potent offense.
0: (laughs) I think Peru is just outside a sweet spot of, you know, they're a little bit too bad uh, and a little bit too much of an outside chance. But I love how long it's been since they've been a World Cup. I love the like, look, sometimes when you're a team, everything just breaks your way. Obviously, they had some huge breaks to, to even qualify out of a really tough region. So, you know, I think luck is luck. And I think it does carry over. I think that, like, they're, you know, like they might just have one of those miracle runs where they make it uh, pretty deep. So, like I said, a little too bad, but but I like the lucky run. Let's say six out of 10.
1: Six out of 10. I like that. And yeah, I, I, I think to your point, they. Had so much pressure on them to qualify for the World Cup because they were so close. And all, like, the thing is in Africa, like, you can get lucky breaks, you can get in lucky groups, you can get lucky matchups. You just can't do that in South America. Every team just plays everybody. So, like, if you're just not one of the top five teams, it's really brutally difficult to get there. And this was the year where everything broke their way. And so I think once you get to the World Cup, the pressure's off now. So, like, who knows what they can do?
0: Yeah, no. I mean, you think about, like, teams like Costa Rica last time. Like, I think sometimes these teams that sort of get in without any expectations, it's like the players can just go out there and play their game. Absolutely. All right, Dan. Let's see what we're doing next. Category 5, Dan.
1: Category 5, Joe, your favorite. Food and couponing. Yes. Thanks to Superfan fan, fan emeritus Emily. Coupon is pronounced Coupon in Spanish. And yes, Peru has Groupon. It's mainly used for products. Peruvian cuisine is an interesting mix of influences from immigrants from Western Europe, Eastern Asia, and West Africa to the country as well as of those indigenous Quechua people, fusing together the various types of cuisines. Potatoes are native to the country, with 99% of potatoes in the world as descendants from those in the Andes Mountains and over 3,800 types from the country. Interesting. The Spanish brought potatoes back to Europe, and northern migration brought it through the rest of Latin America, leading people to use the food for both livestock and humans and gain worldwide popularity. Spain also took beans, tomatoes, and peppers back to Europe. Peru's national ditch is ceviche, a cold-cooked dish with their traditional version including sea bass marinated in lime juice, onion, salt, and local chili peppers. This dish now uses many varieties of seafood and shellfish by taking advantage of the 1,500 miles of coastline. Quinoa is from Peru, having been used as a grain before sprain brought over wheat. Cuy is a popular meat used. It's guinea pig. And you can get anti-chuchos, grilled meat skewers, usually with beef heart, Everywhere from street carts to nice restaurants. Pollo a la Brasa is a pepper, cumin, and garlic roasted chicken served with various dipping sauces. Lomo Soldato is Chinese-influenced beef stir-fry. Plus, with this being the home of potatoes, many dishes involve popular tuber, combining it in various dishes with avocado, cheese, and chilies. A land with varied terrain... And just as varied foods.
0: You know, it's interesting that you think of like, um, I think most people, if they, if you ask like, what is an Irish food, they would say potatoes. Definitely. And if you you think about like, if you ask people like, what is like an Italian food, they would say like tomatoes, tomato sauce, maybe wouldn't be like the number one thing on their list, but like whatever. But it's interesting that like, these are all things that weren't in these countries. Like they all came from the new world to these countries. It's just kind of weird that like, you know, like whatever, like when did like Ireland get its first potato was like probably like the 1600s or whatever.
1: I mean, it's honestly it's like hard to believe Like, that's already blowing my mind because because now like all all agriculture is just just spreads out throughout the world. But it is crazy to think that these like plants evolved in one places and it wasn't they weren't brought to new places without like these countries coming in and
0: right. That there was a time when there's like a bunch of Italians like, oh, what's this weird tomato thing? Let's try it.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, let's put it on a pizza. <laughs>
1: let's let's uh, take some of this milk we have and sort of let it sit around. And yeah. then maybe we'll make an unbelievable dish.
0: It's just it's just these like iconic. So like, look, I mean, you could say like Peru was like the birthplace of like a lot of what we now would consider like European cuisine.
1: I'm into it, Joe.
0: Give the Peruvian some credit for inventing the potato and the tomato.
1: I'll say one of the, my good friend who's, I'm sure listening to this podcast right now, who is Peruvian, his family's Peruvian, the dish they always made us was the tuna melt. I don't know if that's a, it it wasn't mentioned in this, but it was certainly a popular dish at their household. So I don't know if that's an American Peruvian dish, but that's also very good.
0: I mean, it sounds pretty Peruvian. I mean, like, isn't a tuna melt sort of like the, like the home version of ceviche more or less? Mm, less yeah yeah. maybe not quite yeah
1: Uh, i mean parts of it are similar but many parts of it are completely different
0: (laughs) there's fish in it you eat it
1: yeah i mean those parts are definitely the same (laughs) i could go on and on
0: yeah no look i think i think peruvian uh cuisine sounds sounds very interesting very varied as emily said i love the groupon thing um and I do love the history of a lot of these things that have, like, infiltrated other, um, other cultures cooking. But I can't think of, like, a time that I've ever gone out for, like, Peruvian food. So I'm going to give this
1: a 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10. Wow. Yeah, fair enough. Although, it sounded like if we were in Peru and you like seafood, you'd have a good time.
0: Yeah, totally. Okay, next up, category 8.
1: Your favorite, Joe. Celebrities.
0: Now oh, we're doing all the fun ones early. I love it.
1: Don't you think that that's going to make a lot of our listeners just tune out <laughs> right after this, Joe? Uh,
0: hey, we're doing all the fun ones now, but we have even even better ones coming up. Yeah,
1: we're doing. We're getting the lame ones out of the way now. The really fun yes. ones are coming oh, up my later. God. What it,
0: what it, I'm glad we're just warming up to the, to the great ones like History of Atrocities.
1: Yeah. Well, here. Let's put this teaser out. <laughs> one of the categories is going to blow your mind, but I won't tell you until later which one it is.
0: Just wait till you hear number 12. <laughs> oh,
1: oh my God. <laughs> the biggest celebrity from superfan fan emeritus Karsten. Honorable mention, Peruvian slash Australian actress Natalie Kelly who was in Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. The bronze medalist is actor Henry Ian Cusick, who's appeared in a number of cable television shows. Some include CSI, Hawaii Five-O, Marvel's Inhumans, and 24. He is most recognized for his role in the show Lost, where he played Desmond Hume, a main character from seasons 3 to 6. His role even earned him a Primetime Emmy nomination for Outstanding Guest Actor. Cusick was also in the 2007 film Hitman. Although he has appeared in many television shows, most of his roles have been minor, often only a single episode. But he still clocks in, Joe, at that big six-digit mark, over 103,000 Twitter followers. Pretty good. Pretty good. The Silver Medalist. She's not on Twitter, Joe. She is Maria Julia Mantia, is a pageant contestant who was Mrs. Peru in 2004. Mantilla was elected as the 2001 Peruvian Athlete of the Year after she won the national championship of triathlon and pentathlon. Since she won Miss Peru in 2004, she represented Peru at the Miss World competition that year where she won the honor of Miss World. During her reign as Miss World, she traveled to Indonesia, Russia, China, Tibet, and several other countries to do philanthropic work. In addition to being a talented beauty queen and triathlete, she competed in a variety of local track and field events, placing third in a Miss World sports. Ooh, that's brutal.
0: So there were two other Miss Worlds who were better than
1: her. Yeah, that's actually pretty weak. If she's, like, winning triathlons, she should be able to beat the other Miss Worlds. And the gold medalist i'm ready peruvian american rapper and hip-hop artist immortal technique known for having politically charged and activist-based rap lyrics topics covered in his music include racism colonialism government control class discrimination and revolution his third album third world peaked at number 12 on the u.s charts in 2008 Immortal Technique came up through the underground rap scene in Harlem. He has done collaborations with other socially conscious rappers such as Most Def and Talib Quelly. One thing that may have limited his success is that he has always striven to maintain control over the production of his music as opposed to letting recording labels take control, operating under the belief that record labels profit unfairly off the work of artists when music is mass produced. And he clocks in... 277,000 Twitter followers.
0: Do you think there's any, like, conservative activist rappers out there? Like, rapping, like, in favor of the estate tax or, like, states' rights? Boy. Or I guess (laughs) it'd be against the estate tax.
1: Yeah. It would be interesting. I think there might be a big untapped market for it, but I do wonder if it could really... I wonder if the uh, suburban white conservative voter is going to be interested in conservative rap
0: i mean i feel like there's christian rock right definitely that's huge i think i think there's a market here that's pretty untapped there's country music which is Uh uh-huh i mean fairly conservative
1: yeah i mean you got country music you've got christian rock
0: yeah and then you have like whatever like uh kid rock is i don't know is he like a little bit rap Maybe
1: Yeah, sort of, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like there – I think there is a big untapped market here. I think what you need to do is be like a just ultra pro-Trump rapper and you just like got to get on Fox and Friends. And then yeah. once you get that tweet, I think you're in. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and you rap about a flat tax.
1: It'd be great. I think you've just got to rap about how how great Donald Trump is. Like I think if you want to like get cheap publicity – your best bet is to like lowest common denominator it. You know,
0: it's funny you mentioned that though, because I was listening t- to um some Nelly on Spotify and I forget what song it was, but he like, he he name drops Trump in it. But this was of course like a decade ago or more when saying Donald Trump was just like a rich dude. Yeah. And it wasn't at all a politically charged thing. And you like wonder like, You know, if Nelly's doing a show now, like, what, does he still say that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll bet he says in people, boo.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it sounds pro-Trump in the lyrics of the rap. I mean, maybe Nelly could have a career resurgence by just becoming that conservative rapper.
1: Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Nelly's already made a name for himself. This is lowest common denominator stuff. Like... You got to you got to be a no like the best part about the Donald Trump situation is how he takes complete nobodies who are like unqualified. And just by (laughs) virtue of himself having such like a low concern about anybody's like skill or prerequisites, you can really jump like I think if you were a pro Trump rapper, you could become you could be on the cabinet within two years.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, because the number one qualification is is loyalty
1: absolutely and and you can the thing about rapping is you could just be you could like put it in the rap and be like hey when i'm with trump i'm always with them do whatever he says no scandal no trouble i'm um, okay well something good Mince. Mince. <laughs> <laughs> look i'm not the man for the job joe i'm not the one to infiltrate it through rap but you just rap about how you'd always be with trump and you could be like even if he colluded with Russia i'm with him yeah. <laughs> even if he paid off a porn star i'm with him and then just like list 10 other things that he like could might have done
0: the hard part is there's not a lot of stuff that rhymes with collusion
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but there are a lot of stuff that rhymes with trump pump oh absolutely dump yeah, yeah. stump rump bump yeah i mean yeah bump
0: i mean these are these are rap staples yeah
1: this is huge i i think you could do an entire rap with trump stuff
0: oh my god it would become so i mean it would just immediately you would just have to advertise your rap album on uh on the donald reddit page no oh my god
1: be huge i just would like to see it on fox and friends and have like the person do like a rap <laughs> and then the fox and friends anchors would be like oh my god that's so great what an, what great music from this person.
0: All right. I mean, these celebrities are a little bit weak. Let's say uh, four out of ten.
1: Four out of ten. All right, Joe.
0: All right. Category nine,
1: Dan. Wow. Category nine. Let's just jump right to it, Joe. System of government, head of state from Fans Emeritus, Bez and oh, I'm Ryan. Very,
0: I'm very interested in this because I do not know much about the current Peruvian government.
1: The Republic of Peru is a semi-presidential representative democracy whereby the president of Peru is both the head of state and the head of government. Executive power is exercised by the president and the government with power vested in both the government and the Congress. Sadly, Peru only has one chamber and therefore no Senate.
0: Ah, unicameral, baby.
1: Unicameral. Peru has been in a state of ongoing democratization for years led by President Pedro Pablo Kuczynski. Following years of corruption, the new government was expected to be transparent and accountable. However, it seems the country can't shake its love for the abuse of power as President Kuczynski was caught on tape bribing other politicians. Oh, Pedro Pablo, come on. Peru's Congress has sworn in the vice president, Martin Vizcarra, to replace the sitting president who resigned just hours before he was due to be impeached.
0: Oh, Mr. How come we can't do that? <laughs>
1: Then we'd have President Pence and all of our problems would be solved. (laughs) Oh, my God. Mr. Vizcarra is expected to serve out Pedro Pablo's term, which ends in 2021. Speaking after the ceremony, he said tackling corruption would be a priority for his government. During the government of the previous president, Fujimura, the 1978 constitution was changed after Fujimura's self-coup, where the president dissolved the Congress and established the new 1993 constitution.
0: Oh, Fujimura, come on. One of the changes to
1: the nineteen seventy nine constitution was the possibility of the president's immediate re election, which made possible the reelection of Fujimura in the next years. After resigning due to corruption, Fujimura was pardoned by President Kuzinski as part of a secret deal with opposition politicians. Two other previous presidents are currently in jail, and another escaped to the US to avoid trial. Joe, let's learn more about this President Martin Viscara. Note, he was sworn into office on March 23rd. Wow, that was like a few weeks ago. After the resignation of previous President Pedro Pablo Kaczynski, who resigned after the impeachment process started for him to be impeached over a vote-buying and bribery scandal. What well, you might like him. His Wikipedia page lists him as a Peruvian engineer before the Peruvian president. Wants to push back against corruption. A bridge builder who is able to bring both parties to the table to negotiate complicated situations.
0: If he's an engineer, is he like literally a bridge builder?
1: He has it in quotes here, but I don't know if that means because he is both a bridge builder and a bridge builder or just a bridge builder. Or a quote bridge builder. I don't know. You're going to have to try to suss that out for your score. Improved social indicators such as education while avoiding corruption during his time as governor. Daily habit of playing tennis and eating lots of fruit. Why you might not like him. Politically inexperienced. His most significant experience coming as governor of a sparsely populated province for eight years. And earlier in March, a survey found 81% of the country did not know his name while he was vice president. (laughs) Oh, no.
0: Let me say one thing I like about this guy, Dan. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. You know what we need to bring to America? The president of Peru wears a sash. Like a like a president's sash.
1: Look at that. I mean it's kind of like, well, we'll get to it and rate the kit, but that's sort of like what the Peruvian kit looks like.
0: Do you think that he wears the sash because otherwise no one would know who he is? <laughs> he might. <laughs> hey they'd be like who the fuck was this engineer in here the president's coming today he'd be like no 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 no, guys 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 guys
1: uh, he's got me, the presidential me. sash everybody yeah. he's the president oh, never mind.
0: let him through let him but th- like,
1: they'll be like wasn't that other guy president I'm like no 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 that was last week that guy's last out Last week
0: he was bribing people yeah
1: he tried to get asylum in the united states but unfortunately couldn't get <laughs> through the border wall he's in mexico now
0: It sounds like it's a pretty volatile country still in terms of leadership, but it doesn't sound like there's been a lot of, like, violent coups. I mean, I assume when you talked about Fujimori dissolving the Congress, he wasn't, like, literally dissolving Congress.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I'll tell you, it sounds like some of those chemicals they export, some of those minerals...
0: He wasn't using their sweet nitrates to dissolve the Congress, was he?
1: Look, you... Bismuth, you combine that with the right things. (laughs)
0: Uh, yeah, we can't talk about the ratios of bismuth to nitrates without getting on some uh, terrorist watch list on this podcast. All right,
1: You need to dissolve a Congress.
0: <laughs>
1: you get enough bismuth, no problem.
0: It'll do the trick. Just like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems a little bit volatile. But look, look, this guy is building bridges, both literal and figurative. He's the anti-corruption guy. I, I, I have a good feeling. I mean, it's only been it's only been it's been literally thirteen days, <laughs> but I think he's doing a big up job uh, i mean really had we had we recorded this podcast two weeks ago,
1: it would have been diff- it, I, he would have been present for like two days
0: <laughs> Pedro Pablo would be the guy we'd be talking about All oh right.
1: resigning uh, in disgrace, embattled
0: yeah. you know it seems a little volatile, but you know they're they're figuring stuff out. If if I could give Peruvians any advice, Dan, it would be to add a second chamber to their Congress.
1: Yeah. You got to have bicameral. You got
0: to have bicameral. Trust me. things It'll be a lot harder to dissolve yourselves, to get dissolved if if there's two bodies. Yeah. You should do it. Uh, let's say five out of 10.
1: The amount of bismuth you'd need to to do oh, the House and no, the Senate. No, there's not...
0: A, there's not enough bismuth in the world; no. they wouldn't be able to export any.
1: A- absolutely, it would it, it would kill the economy. All right, what's next, Joe? So they are the the Peru band is their lowest score is a four, and their highest score is a six. So they're really in the mediocre band thus far, Joe. But they gotta they gotta bounce out of it.
0: All right, where they're gonna bounce back with category category seven?
1: Wow, category seven atrocities, Joe. Thanks to super fan Josh PhD noted. Author of Red Meat Republic, which we're all going to buy once it comes available which, for which sale, which
0: you and I are going to record the audiobook for.
1: Yeah, well, I did post the blooper reel, and uh, Josh did give us some samples to record, so we'll have to record those. Unfortunately, this podcast is already way too long, so I'm not going to record them here. But he gave us some tongue twisters. We got to work on our oh, diction.
0: I think we can handle. It. I mean, the, the the question is, given the given the sort of. Um, international importance of his book and like the geopolitical landscape that it's trying to talk about. Does he want us to record it as with you as, as Henry Kissinger?
1: The American Indians were clinging to their land as the settlers came in (laughs) and using their newfound weaponry, claimed the land for the almighty Buffalo for (laughs) the Buffalo was their livelihood. (laughs) Anyways Atrocities President Alberto Fujimora was president of a country in the 1990s And while he defeated a communist insurgent group The process involved a number of human rights abuses and widespread violence Further, he was completely corrupt And in 2000 actually fled the country for his ancestral home of Japan Fujimora was pretty bad But I'm not sure we can blame Peru for that Many of Fujimora's crimes were acts of violence against Peruvian people the country has fought a couple of small wars with neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we should actually blame Japan for that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just add that into their atrocities category, which will <laughs> have no shortage of things. The country has fought a couple small wars with neighboring Ecuador, though I'm not really sure who is to blame. There's still a lot of corruption, but things are overall pretty peaceful. So I'm going to give them the benefit of that on this one. Atrocity level, bell pepper. Oh, bell pepper. That's nothing. The bell pepper comes back. They, the bell yeah. pepper, which might come from Peru for all we know.
0: I mean, it 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 certainly does. I I have to imagine. Uh, Let's say nine out of ten. Let's give them a good score here. They've you know
1: puffing them up. Yeah, this is this going to be like their Hollywood ending in the Joe Picks uh, qualification process?
0: I mean, this could be. They've you know they they've been known to pull victory from the jaws of defeat. Category
1: 6, Dan. Wow, we're just going in reverse order. We are. We are. The fan culture from Superfan Yannick. Peruvian fans have a weird relationship with their national team. They always hope and cheer for them, but if they fail, they hate, bash, and insult the team. But only till the next game starts. Then they will cheer again. They have a saying in Peru, roughly translated, We played better than ever, but, as always, we lost. (laughs) (laughs) This ended last year when, for the first time in 36 years, they qualified for the World Cup. Everyone who answered me said he or she cried on November 15th, 2017. The head of state declared the day after to be a national holiday. Someone got a Peruvian shield tattooed to celebrate the moment. It is a common joke in Peru. If there was a soccer World Cup only for fans, Peru would win for their perseverance. Peruvians compare their football to the beautiful game of Brazil and call it rebellious. Everyone in Peru plays soccer, even at the age of 60 or 70. Old people still form teams to compete. They also apparently have sticker albums of their national team, and even grown men like to collect and swap stickers. During games, Peruvians drink Inca Cola and eat Piqueos. Now, Joe... I've had Inca Cola before because. I've had Inca Cola too. Oh. I, where would I have had that? I don't know. Did I have it with you?
0: Oh, God, I had it like when I was like a, like a little kid. I don't remember why I would have had Inca Cola.
1: Oh. Because all I know is that my friend Ian, this is always a uh, drink among our group of friends, was an Inca dog, which is Inca Cola mixed with vodka. It's quite good.
0: I think I had, yeah, because I, I used to. Keep a bottle... Yeah, no, I had Inca Cola like, in in like high school or middle school or something. I don't remember why. Or how I got it.
1: Yeah, well, it's good. I I, I mean, if we're going to Peru to see a game, we get a couple Inca dogs. We're going to have a good time.
0: Ugh, that sounds great.
1: Their main rival, of course, Joe, is Chile. Games between these two are called the Pacific Classic. This is what I cribbed in the intro. And the rivalry, it's all the way back to, yes, the War of the Pacific from 1879. Their chants. Como noite voy a querer si eres mi pero al pais bendito k vio That's a long chant. <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> that's not
0: a chant. That's like a that's a paragraph.
1: How could I not love you? You're my dear Peru, the blessed country that saw me be born. Okay. All right. I'm sure I butchered that my apologies to everybody. Anyways, Joe, there you go. These, are, I mean, and, and in addition to the other things, they they caused an earthquake uh, when they scored the goal they uh, against New Zealand. They, it was a national holiday when they qualified for the World Cup. I mean, we should have had a national holiday when we didn't qualify.
0: I mean, they should be careful because they really are on a lot of fault lines there. So causing an earthquake could be like a pretty devastating thing. Yeah. It's no joke.
1: Look, they're they're... They care so much about the team they 're willing to risk it all their livelihood joe they, they they qualify for the World cup. How amazing is that
0: no look what this is a great fan culture right i mean this is pretty this is pretty solid these 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 are This is a country that they love their football they stick with their national team through all the heartbreak. I mean, really a lot of world cups where they haven't qualified. Can
1: I, before you give your score, I just want to do one clip that I did not uh, mention from Fernando Zemo, but I really enjoyed. After 1998, Peru had not even been close to qualifying for the world cup. And as a matter of fact, it had become a recurring joke in Peru to say, we will never qualify again. Instead of saying something like when pigs fly, you would say in Peru, when Peru qualifies for the world cup.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's so depressing. uh You know, but Peru is like probably better than the U.S. team, but they just have this like brutal region that they're qualifying from. I mean, they're definitely better this year, obviously. Mm,
1: I don't know. I think the U.S. would have better odds, although probably similar. I mean, Peru probably. I mean, Peru has two hundred to one odds. The U.S. would probably be a hundred to one. So, I mean, I guess like at the margin, what's the difference? Like they're both heavy underdogs.
0: I think uh I mean these Peruvian fans seem like they're just like just so dedicated and it and it would like you imagine the pure emotional like excitement of them qualifying and you can't help but like root for them a little bit. So let's say fan culture 7 out of 10.
1: 7 out of 10, wow. And I'll tell you I rem- I would have
0: bumped it up, but that chant is too long. That chant's too long.
1: I remember when we didn't qualify and you know we're watching the u.s game we're watching the panama game which of course the second half of our doubleheader. we're watching the honduras game and you're just seeing it all collapse and then peru is having the exact opposite experience like you know obviously one of those games like one of the team cheated and scored a goal that like didn't actually go in but like in peru's thing they didn't cheat they just got like like, the luckiest thing ever, where the goalie, like, hits it into that. And then the other games, you know, like, their goal differential matters. It's not just that Chile has to lose. They have to lose by a certain number of goals. And It's just, like, everything happens for them, which is... I mean, that just must have been such a fun, like, 20-minute period for, like... An, just how cool is it for a whole country to get to experience, like, 20 minutes of, like, pure drama and ecstasy and just, oh, like, yeah. relief.
0: But I think that's the thing that, like, that that I like about the Peruvian fan culture is that, like, either way, you are experiencing it with the whole country, right? I mean, like, the thing that was the worst part for me about the U.S. team not qualifying was that, like, most people I work with, like, didn't even know. They, like, didn't, uh, you, you know, or it was, like, uh, something that they, like, like, saw on SportsCenter in passing with other things, right? Like, it wasn't, like, just because even... In Seattle, which is like a relatively like soccer loving city compared to the rest of the country, it's just sort of like an afterthought.
1: Yeah, if you're in the right bubble, like you know, the Men and Blazers podcast after that was like. <laughs> but
0: I wanted everyone I know to be depressed.
1: About. Yeah, and they should be, and they just don't care. It, it is true. It, it's unfortunate, but look, I mean that's that's the difference between the U.S. I, I I mean, if you did the U.S. based on this ranking, the U.S. would do terribly. So <laughs> that's
0: right. Category four.
1: All right, Joe. Top player to watch. And since Joe, we forgot to do rate the kit. You can also add in the kit in this score if you'd like.
0: But the top oh my god, the kit, the kit has the presidential sash on it. It does. If he goes to a game, people are going to be so confused.
1: Well, if he's wearing like a white shirt, people aren't going to know if he's <laughs> on the team. They're going to know what? Their player to watch is Edison Flores, who plays for Alberg. AK. He's 23 years old. He's a winger. He's left-footed, relatively short, a trickster with a good eye. And of course... Oh, is, he, is he smarmy? <laughs> thanks to superfan, fan emeritus, David PhD for this. I love David's descriptions of the players. He doesn't put smarmy, but Joe, he's a trickster. His style of play looks like that of a typical street soccer player. He won the 2011 U-20 Copa Libertadores, equivalent to the Champions League, best player award, and scored six goals in nineteen matches for the national team. He has to improve at his Danish Cup and show that he can perform on the European stage. I guess Alberg AK is a European team that I've never heard of. But anyways, in your beloved FIFA eighteen, he has a sixty six and a seventy four potential. So Ooh, that's a little low. Yeah, I cut a, I cut below some of the that's uh, a some. You know, when I was watching that uh Man City game and I saw my man uh Gabriel Jesus come in with his number thirty three boy. Oh you knew, you knew he's yeah. got Smarm off the charts. This guy's no uh Gabriel Jesus, but uh David gives he's him a, little
0: bit of a smarmster though.
1: David gives him a rating of four. He's a trickster, Joe.
0: A little bit of a trickster, I can see that. I think he's the president.
1: Oh no, that never mind, that's just a <laughs> kit. <can't. laughs> look joe with the the rate these presidents get impeached he could be the president soon
0: yeah but think about how corrupt the peruvian team is he'd be impeached before anyone that's true that's true
1: well we have to see their results in the world cup if they win it could be suspicious if they lose it could be suspicious
0: wait dan watch this run that he makes at like four minutes and 30 seconds in the video
1: that is impressive (laughs) He gets dispossessed by two defenders. But
0: still, the run's pretty impressive. I mean, that's some smart.
1: Well, he's definitely got big speed between about the 40-yard line and the 18-yard box. But he really sort of fell apart in the 18-yard box.
0: Yeah, none of these highlights are goals. Uh, uh, No. Uh, Yeah, this is all right. Uh, You know, I like the 4 out of 10. I appreciate David doing some work for me. Let's stick
1: with it. Lock it up. And Joe, one category left. The National Anthem, thanks to superfan fan fan emeritus Tony Ph.D.
0: Wait, I got the Joker, actually.
1: Would you like to do Category 11?
0: I pick National Anthem.
1: Okay. After Peru declared its independence, the General José del San Martín began a public contest to select the National March, which was published on August seventh, 1821 in the Ministerial Gazette. The contest called upon professors of poetry, composers, and general aficionados to send their signed productions to the Ministry of the State. Seven compositions were entered. After hearing the last entry, a production of José Bernardo Alcedo, General José del San Martín stood up and exclaimed, Without a doubt, this is the national anthem of Peru. The following day, a signed decree confirmed this option, expressed in the midst of great enthusiasm and jubilation. Upon hearing the music and the lyrics of the national anthem for the first time, the audience responded with a standing ovation directed at Alcedo, who conducted the orchestra. The lyrics.
0: I mean, I feel bad for all the people who were presenting their composition after him.
1: No, you <laughs> went last. <laughs> oh, I guess it was the I last century. But,
0: but then I feel like they were just like, so all the other ones were total shit?
1: Well, they were like, this is too close to call. Let's just give it to the last one we heard. Yeah. Let's see. That's a Donald Trump strategy. (laughs) But what? look, Joe, let's be our own judges. You hear it and you say afterwards, either exclaim. I mean, if I stand up and say that that is a Peruvian national anthem. Then we'll know it was legit. The lyrics. Freedom from Spain. We are free. May it always be so. For a long time, the oppressed... Peruvian, the ominous chain he dragged, condemned to a cruel servitude for a long time for a long time for a long time he quietly moaned but as soon as the sacred cry, freedom in its coasts was heard fun facts another contest Tony loves the contest it's a wonder that so many countries turn it over to the people, but I guess it is the people who have to sing it Joe Joe Let's listen.
0: You couldn't do that anymore because what would win would be like Anthem
1: McAnthem face. <laughs> I think if we did it now, we could have like a good pop song, you know, like America, America. <laughs> <laughs> that would be such a good anthem. Okay, here we go. Anthem of Peru.
2: Que hacemos el voto solemne Que la patria le eterno elevó Que hacemos el voto solemne Que la patria le eterno elevó Que hacemos el voto solemne que Largo tempo, el peruano primito, la ominosa cadena arrastró, condenado a una cruel servidumbre. Largo tempo, largo tempo, largo tempo en silencio gimió, mas apenas el grito sagrado, libertad en sus costas huyó. La indolencia de esclavos acude La humillada La humillada La humillada Serviz levantó La humillada Serviz levantó Serviz levantó Somos libres Seamos Lo siempre Seamos lo siempre Y antes bien Jesús es el sol Que faltemos al voto solemne Que la patria al eterno elevó Que faltemos al voto solemne Que la patria al eterno elevó Que faltemos al voto solemne
0: Dan, that is the National Anthem of Peru. Wow,
1: Joe, look at that. Standing. They did it. I am standing. Wow. Look, you listen to it. It sounds like the National Anthem of Peru.
0: It does. I mean, honestly, I could hear that walking around like a grocery store, and I'd be like, why are they playing the Peruvian National
1: Anthem? You know what I like about it, too? It's a tight two minutes, 20 seconds. You know, they're in and out. It's
0: tight. It has a point. It has a message. Like yeah, I I think I think it's one of the better anthems we've heard. It just sounds good. It sounds like an anthem, but it's not boring. I like it. I'd say six and a half. Uh, let's say seven. Solid seven out of seven
1: ten. seven out of ten. Wow. I mean, Joe, look, we all know how you feel about the South American anthems. They're good. Joe, one category mm-hmm. left. Rate the drink, Joe. What do you think of your straight pisco? <laughs>
0: I like it. It actually reminds me a little bit of uh, of the cognac that we drink in a weird way. It, it has a similar uh, flavor to it, but I think it's really good. I'm gonna say six and a half out of ten. What do you think, Dan? How how's the sour?
1: I mean, it's uh, as I I was saying to Megan as I made it. It's a type of drink that you taste and it's just such a recognizable drink. It's like. If you had asked me, have I had a Pisco Sour before, I would have said no. But it's like, I have had this drink before. It's just such a... Yeah. And, and yeah. as yeah. I was drinking it, because I didn't have the egg white, I recognized just not having the froth. Like, I know this drink does have froth to it. but uh, And maybe it's just a whole type of drinks that are, that are made similar to this. But it, look, it's a classic, Joe. And uh, I enjoy it. It's not one of my... If I could pick different drinks, there are other drinks I think I'd rather have, but like this is, it's a very good drink.
0: Yeah. And picture yourself sitting in like, on like an Incan mountain in the warm Peruvian sun, sipping a Pisco sour. It's not bad. Not a bad life. That's
1: where you want to be. I'm in. I'm all in, Joe. The final score for Peru, lovable Peru, they come in at 53.5 which puts their average at 5.94. So, Joe, right in the gray area. So, Ooh. You're, they are in between Sweden, who came in at 5.96. You gave them a yes. And then Nigeria at 5.72, you gave a no. So, every team that's been below this, you've given a no. And every team that's above this, you've given a yes. So we are oh, back into is, the gray area. Yeah.
0: So we're really setting the benchmark here. God, this is tough. This is tough. Do I want to move Peru on or not? You know, sometimes it's, it's really easy because the point sort of – even if I don't know going into it, which I, I know far less ab- ab- about how I'm going to feel about a team going into it than one might imagine. But sometimes the points just dictate it. We're like, yeah, you know, this team's not so great. Like like maybe I thought I'd connect with them, but I don't, so I'm not gonna move them on. But like the point the points don't help me make this decision at all because it's uncharted territory. Right in the gray area. I just have to go with my gut on this. And my gut says to move Peru on.
1: Wow. Wow, Joe. It's what
0: it's what I feel in my heart. I love I love this scrappy little team. That hasn't made the World Cup in forever, I mean literally, I love that story that making the World Cup was there when pigs fly,
1: and now they're there and, and this the the uh goal is just so cool, the goal against Colombia I mean the commentators just it, it's unbelievable, which I'll post in the red, and everybody just has to watch it, and I 'll tell you, Superman Fernando is going to be absolutely ecstatic i i thought I thought your gut was going to say no, Joe, but Super fan Fernando, my friend Ian's going to be ecstatic.
0: No, it just – it feels right – and and it feels like the right pick for a U.S. fan to at least talk about Peru more, you know, because for us to not qualify in that last game, there was like five things that had to go wrong. Yeah. And they all did. Yeah. For Peru to qualify, there was five things that had to go right, and they all went right.
1: And remember, it, we talked about in the Brazil episode, Brazil's playing Chile – Brazil is playing for nothing. So I think that is like this critical part because it's like, oh, if Chile wins, Chile's in. Ch- Chile is playing a Brazil team that literally has nothing to play for. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's incredible. And and you know that every Peruvian fan, especially when they when they went down by a goal, was like, well, it's over. Yeah. It's over. Whatever they're saying was, we played great, but we lost again, or whatever the hell it was. But like, you know, and then to make it in such a weird turn of events, anyway, and then they still have to beat New
1: Zealand, which they do. But you yeah. know, New Zealand's sort of like a punching bag, but
0: yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm sure they were they were they were they they weren't too nervous about New Zealand. I'm sure.
1: But anyway, good for them. Let's talk about
0: them more. They've earned it. They've waited a long time for this. Wow,
1: I'm excited to to see those sashes in FIFA looking really spiffy. Oh, I can't wait. It's gonna be good. All right. Well, congratulations, Peru and Joe, for the second part. We're going to do our first lightning episode for Panama next. So that's very exciting. It's
0: Panamania. All right, let's do it, Dan.
1: All right. See ya. Congratulations, Peru. Mm -hmm.